0: gotta wait for this one, here it comes, there it is, right there.
1: (laughs) What's going on everyone, welcome to the show, Paul George, Deacon Bear, the Adam Conk in studio, (laughs) show 270 something,
0: here we go. 271.
1: Thanks for listening in to the show, KLFT Radio here in Acadiana, springtime or on the podcast wherever you are.
0: Boy Alvo. Yeah, that's a Linton song because you gotta wait, You gotta wait for the life.
1: It's yeah, like, I mean it's pop, just a little, little patience, little <laughs> waiting, and then boom, there then it here's is, Easter. Boom! I love it.
0: He's risen, you know.
1: Easter's coming one day, baby. <laughs> hey, welcome you into the show. Got some great news today. What? By the way, yeah, a little update here from the team. Here from um, Paul George and Deacon Adam. Okay. Um, shared a, a few weeks of, maybe ago, but a little update. Um, Deacon Adams' uh, podcast, Homilies Plus. Oh, yes. So uh, here's the great news: if you want to, um, you know, kind of get a little exegesis, a little discussion, and hear a, each Sunday's homily, Deacon Adam does its own podcast called De-
0: Homilies Plus. Homilies Plus. Yeah, you know. Uh, and so
1: you post your homily, then you have a discussion with a guest on the homily. It's about a twenty thirty minute podcast
0: yeah it's what they call short form podcast yeah we're the paul george show is kind of like mid-form long form would be like an hour and a half mm-hmm. we ain't into that at the paul george show no but homilies plus is short form i can't it's spend like,
1: that much time with you yeah, yeah in this small little studio
0: right i think short form is one car drive long and you get a podcast it's
1: in. great yeah. um all of us you know if we go to mass obviously listen to the homilies the readings now do you post this or are you doing it Post the Sunday or pre the Sunday?
0: Well, after. And what happens is I'll um
1: because you give the homily, you record mm-hmm. it, and then that's part of the podcast, right?
0: Yeah, once a month I give a Sunday homily, uh, but every week I do a Tuesday homily. So like this coming weekend I'll be preaching at the weekend masses, so I'll I'll record that. And uh, but then I think I pray. I'm like, all right, who's the best person to talk to about this? Like, who do I want to talk about and see what? And then that's the guest that I call, mm-hmm. book them. Then we record it, and then I post it.
1: Easy peasy. There it is. So it's called uh, Homilies Plus. Easy to remember. It kind of has a ring to it. It does. So.
0: Like something else plus that you might have a streaming subscription mm -hmm.
1: to? Yeah. It's just like that. I can tell you what. I didn't in school make many pluses.
0: Were you a minus kind of guy?
1: Yeah, I was a minus kind of guy. Okay. Yeah.
0: Hey, that's still. Yeah. You got through it. I mean, there's
1: there's plus nothing than minus. Mm Mm-hmm right? Right. Like like there's A plus A and then an A minus. Right. I mean, at least back in the day there was. I don't know what they do these days.
0: You know, it's similar and that infuriates me. It's like, look, why even have the ABCDF system if you're going to add these pluses and minuses? But
1: I get it because if you make a, just say you make a, say it's a 10 point grading scale just to make it easy to to kind of do the math Mm -hmm. instead of a six point, right? Let's just do 10 point. Yeah. Okay. I do agree. Like if someone makes... 100, they They're just they just smoke this thing, right? Mm-hmm. They're just so smart, they just made 100, and someone makes a 90, percent less, I don't think they should get the same grade. Mm. That's not the same A to me. Gotcha. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I see a lot. Like, there's there.
1: a different A. If you get them all right, that's a different A than if you got, on a 100 question test, you got 10 wrong. Yeah. Okay? For no, I'm e- following you there. For easy math, right?
0: I'm following you there. Well, to be clear, so I
1: was the, if I was going to make an A, if I just happened to make an A, if I was somehow by <laughs> chance going to make an A, I would have been the 90% A. The minus.
0: Ain't nothing wrong with that.
1: I wouldn't have been the 95% or the 100%. Right. But you got the A. Yeah.
0: Well, and to be clear, homilies plus is not implying that this is an A plus homily. It's a plus <laughs> Conversation. I would disagree. I think it's good. Well, it's a
1: homily plus a conversation. Correct. It's It's not like
0: A plus homily. So don't get your hopes up, people.
1: Well, someone older than you, I'm Mm -hmm. proud of you. Oh, great job. Thanks, man. Yeah, I'm excited. (laughs)
0: Look, I'm proud of you for getting through high school with those minuses. Yeah. You did it. I I barely
1: (laughs) did it. High school, college, you uh, did it. With minuses, man. You could do it. You can get through with minuses. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: But you're plus where it counts.
1: Maybe you so. <laughs> Speaking of pluses, do you have a, have you seen? What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real though?
0: Oh, this sounds, this sounds bad. This sounds bad. Okay. Have you seen? No. Um, well, you've heard of the, the city Cape Town? It's in South Africa? Yes. It's a, you, you might have even been there. I don't know. You've mm-hmm. traveled the world. You're a world traveler. Mm. Um, beautiful city. You know, it's on a cape, and it's a town.
1: I've been invited there once, and I didn't get to go. Really? Yeah.
0: Hot dang. Well, I wouldn't
1: recommend going. It's a long trip.
0: wouldn't recommend going right now.
1: There was some reason I didn't want to go for two weeks away from home. You know, because if you're going to travel there, do that. Okay, so what's going on?
0: Well, the thing is, they're having an issue right now. Okay. Um, The city stinks. The whole city
1: Mm. Stinks
0: a foul stench is sweeping across the South African city, and it's blamed on a pretty, okay, this makes sense. There's some ship that has a bunch of cows on it.
1: And it's sitting in the harbor and...
0: 19,000 cattle. Ooh. And uh, they're having issues with delivering it or something, like it's just kind of stuck there. Oh. And so uh, 19,000 cows right there next to the city. Well, and not it,
1: only animals stink, but then, you know, they're obviously eating, and then, you know, whatever, after. and It's so bad so that bad. one resident said,
0: we are literally in hell. Ooh. Because you can't, like, you go outside and it smells terrible. Mm.
1: That's a strong statement.
0: Yeah. Another one said, Cape Town absolutely reeks today. The ship is eight kilometers away. I guess they use kilometers there. And I can still smell it. Mm. Um. Man, can you imagine have a beautiful city? This it, is
1: one reason you should not swim in the ocean because you know where they're dumping <laughs> that stuff that's true. by the way. Like on their drive, wherever they're driving that ship. It could be to another obviously another country to deliver. Mhm. There that all that excess is going somewhere and it's going right into the ocean.
0: Yes. Well, look, the uh the situation is also calling to light how maybe they don't have the best practices with the animals in general, because mm-hmm. this, this ship being stalled is pointing everyone's attention to the fact that you have 19,000 cattle on one ship mm. living in their own feces, you know what I'm saying? So, like, maybe we should re-examine how we use cows. So, maybe that's one positive aspect of this, is, like, they kind of rethink the way they do things, but not really. I mean, people move on from problems. So, once they get the stench out of the city, it'll be back to normal, I'm sure, but... um so anyway, that sounds terrible.
1: It sounds terrible. You know, in a normal world, cows would just re fertilize a pasture, right, through all the, you know, natural process. But that sounds just, you know, that sounds horrible. So yeah. I just got back from a trip, not not Cape Town mm-hmm. or Cape Cod or anything like any that. Any Capes. No, any Capes, but uh Diocese of Richmond, Virginia. Mm-hmm. Just got back, uh did a Linton mission. Really a lot of talks. I did something for their staff on leadership and mission, and then I gave two days of Linton mission, and then also an evening prior to the mission for their youth youth group. Mm-hmm. I, I just did everything. You did. I was pretty tired, but um, yeah. A
0: one-man missionary team.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to put on an old hat to talk to the students, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am an old hat, mm-hmm. you know, but I had to pull out, you know, the, the old youth youth talks and then nice really love being with their staff like just helping them and then the nights of the mission but you know i had uh an interesting encounter
2: mm.
1: that uh you know when i travel whatever i have a lot of interesting things happen i meet a lot of people hear a lot of interesting stories um encounter a lot of different situations you know i'll probably die with stories i forget about mm-hmm. telling and uh this one was interesting. I met this beautiful couple from Africa. You know, so you brought up Africa. No kidding. Yeah, not South Africa. But um anyway, uh yeah, it was interesting because, you know, I've met like people who are um immigrants, illegal immigrants, people who are seeking permanent residency, who are, you know, working with a green card or just here trying to figure out how to you know, become a resident of the U.S., the whole process. And, uh, but I've never met people who call themselves asylum seekers. Hmm. You know what an asylum seeker is?
0: Like they're running for their life hmm. and they're claiming asylum. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. What an interesting story. I don't want to get too much into it because I don't know, like, what I can say or not. I have no idea. I don't know what the, but, you know, it's someone who leaves their country for fear of their life or violence or, you know, war, you know, and and then they get here or wherever they're going and then they can't go back. Right. They can't go back to see their family because if they do, they might get killed or, you know, they're back in the same violent situation, you know, so they leave their family behind, which is crazy.
0: Mm. That is wild. Yeah, I mean, it puts things in perspective. I mean, we have so many quote-unquote, issues and problems in our life, but I've never had to flee my country with, like, nothing mm-hmm. just to avoid death and not be able to go back.
1: Right, which is so interesting because, I mean, we read that in the Gospels of Jesus, you know. That's right, yeah. As an infant, you know, left the country, went to Egypt for fear of his life, Mm-mm. right? Like, God spoke to, to Joseph. You know, they didn't stay in Egypt. It says they stayed... Uh, until Herod died. We don't know exactly how long that was. I'm sure some people do the math on that. but mm-hmm. And then they came back to their native land, Nazareth, right?
0: Yeah, it's great. I mean, our Lord, obviously only God could design a life where you literally experience every human suffering and trial and mm-hmm. tragedy. Like our Lord experienced all of it and our lady with him, right? So like, for example, he didn't have earthly children so he couldn't experience the death of a child, but Our Lady did, you know, her only son watched him die. But yeah, I mean, our Lord designed his life to enter into the depths of every human trial and suffering that sin brings into the world so that he could redeem it, including this one. I mean, he lived as a refugee like that for years um, in a foreign land, which is crazy. I mean, that's how, by, I mean, if I designed my own life as God, I wouldn't Mm -hmm. look for every human suffering and, like, make sure I had it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The humility of God to do that.
1: You know, what's interesting about Jesus' journey, Joseph and Mary with that, is they were intact as a family. I mean, the beauty of that, right? Like, Mm -hmm. they they journeyed in the suffering of of it all and the unknown of it all as a family. Um, But, like, this family I met were separated. Oh, and that's horrible, like I like my heart has just been like trying to process that, like how do you leave family members or even children behind mm-hmm. as you're seeking um refuge and an asylum, and then there's no there's no timeline of when you might get you know approval, right, and so there's got to be a lot of suffering in separation, you know, yeah um like years and years. So anyway, uh, kind of crazy interaction. So that, you know, I, I get this and, you know, I meet these people and it's just crazy when I travel that the, the things that God puts in front of me that is very, very unexpected that I get to hear and experience with people, Mm -hmm. you know,
0: man. Yeah. I'm sure it gives a certain perspective to life, just everyday living. Mm -hmm. Um, it's amazing. Well, at least you don't have to deal with uh, a stinky city. Well, you know?
1: yeah,
0: yeah. Lafayette smells great today.
1: Today it does. Way to go Lafayette! Yeah, thanks Lafayette <laughs> for uh, being clean today. You know, um, you know, yeah. It's it's crazy. You know, we're we're in you know Lent, and we're entering into. I mean, what are we now, man? Like, we're into going week into two. our third coming up <clears throat> week of Lent. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it seems short or long. Everyone has a different sort of feeling on that. Um, Everyone's doing something different for Lent or their penances or whatever the case may be. You have ruined our Fridays, you know, uh, for Lent. So I'm thinking about moving the day we record because of your fast.
0: It's a good idea. Mm
1: -hmm. It's a good idea. I mean, there's been times where I've undertaken a fast where my wife was like, you need to change your fast because it's affecting everyone else in the house.
0: Mm. So you're implying that's what I need to do? (laughs) Well, I did say I'm happy to drink water.
1: I'm throwing it out there. While we're hanging out. Yeah. I mean, Lent is, I mean, in a a part, like suffering. So like Mm -hmm. part of your penance, I'm suffering with you, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so you're fasting on Fridays. Total fasting and abstinence, which is fine, whatever. <laughs> uh-huh. <clears throat> but like, I actually experience a little bit of the suffering of that because we usually maybe grab lunch or something mm-hmm. like that, or we, we, you know, we we get to kind of connect more than the show. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm feeling a little of that suffering, you know, um, with that. Yeah, yeah. So, but no more suffering. I mean, I, I I guess what I'm thinking is this Lent is like I just encountered. Um, some folks, a couple who are enduring intense suffering. Yeah, as asylum seekers.
0: Yeah, like the worst kind. I mean, and I
1: don't know any of the political ramifications. I don't know. I I know that the, the country that they left from is under total violence, and so I don't know the backstory, and I don't know all the details here in the mm-hmm. U.S. Like, I can't. I don't. I just know I met the humans. I met the human people who are suffering. Mm-hmm. Right from 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 this and I can't imagine the length that they're going through uh and having to endure and this has been years in their life. Like it hasn't oh, been really? like, hey, we just got here, you know.
0: And they're Catholic? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they're
1: Catholic. Well praise
0: God they found a community at yeah. least to to suffer with them.
1: Yeah, and the beautiful thing about this parish is that the priest is from Africa. He's an African ah. Um, and I, I, they probably have found some connection there, which is kind of cool, uh, for them as, as a couple. But, you know, if you look at the saints this week, um, you know, we have some saints that really suffered. I mean, some of the original saints, I don't know if you guys have heard of these two, but they're placed together. And a lot of times we mention them at mass or in some type of, um, like litany mm-hmm. of saints, but saints perpetua and felicity. Mm-hmm. Have you ever sung a litany of saints and they're in that litany? Yep. Right? Yeah, they go together. They go together. They're from 200, dude. Yeah, it's pretty early. Like, they're from the late 100s and died in 203. Um, And these are two women who refused to um, deny their faith and were thrown into an arena and were beheaded, martyred for their faith. And they have, like, a journal of this whole thing happening. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, talk it, about suffering.
0: Yeah, and they weren't like, um, you know, we had bishops like Ignatius of Antioch from that time and Irenaeus, and they weren't, you know, bishops or anything, they were they were lay women.
1: They were lay women, and Felici- Felicity uh, was pregnant and gave birth to her daughter a few days before the games commenced. Yeah. Um, and then she was put to death. Think about that suffering
0: yeah well and, and she wasn't uh devastated by it. that was that's just crazy about it they were they were brave they were heroic they were uh you know they, they actually used the word manly to describe them just because there was an unusual
1: heroism
0: heroism in, in the way they faced, faced death that even if a man did it it would be remarkable but these these women
1: what's um, crazy is we have their names They and then uh three other companions died with them rev- Revocatus, Secundulus, these are fun, fun names, and <laughs> Saturinus, um, they were unwilling to denounce their faith. Uh, Perpetual and Felicity were beheaded and the others were killed by beasts, I guess animals, lions, or tigers. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I like how they put these, the, these saints' feast days in Lent, because I think it, it kind of ties into the, the suffering of Lent. I don't know why they put them in here, but that's why they're there. Mm -hmm. That's why I think they're there.
0: Sure. Well, certainly by God's providence. um, Yeah. And I mean, the penance and sacrifices we take on willingly are really just like a dress rehearsal and kind of a, let's say, a a voluntary suffering. There's some some sufferings you don't get to choose if you do or not, right? Like Mm -hmm. when you're asylum seeking, when you're put in an arena with lions, like you don't get to choose... suffer or not and so these penances that we take on voluntarily really strengthen us for that moment and that's the thing Perpetual and felicity that wasn't their first suffering for jesus right when they accepted christ they had to deny the world they had to take on persecution like they they were used to suffering accustomed to it and that's that's one of the ways we imitate christ who isaiah said he was a man accustomed to infirmity and accustomed to suffering he Hmm. was not a stranger to to sacrifice and hardships And so, if if Christians are not accustomed to suffering, then we lack a certain imitation of Christ. That's really important, because when our hour comes, like Christ's hour came on the cross, he was a man who embraced the cross because he was accustomed to it, Hmm. and he didn't reject it. Um, We are going to reject whatever cross God sends us if we're not accustomed to suffering. So these little Lenten penances that we can do in comparison to the great suffering, like Perpetuum Felicity and all the heroes of the faith. it's really important, and that's why we need to do it.
1: Amen. All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Paying too much for health care and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of health care. Join the nation's leading health sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith. Saving money through ethical and affordable health care. Call now to see how much you can save at 844-387-8533. That's Solidarity HealthShare, 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George, Adam Conk, the Good Deacon, in studio. I don't Deacon minus, Deacon. <laughs> you would be Deacon plus. I don't know. I'd be PG minus. I've had <laughs> some interesting interactions with uh, the old name of Paul George recently. You're kidding. It's still a thing, huh? Well, here's the thing. I don't know if I shared this. My memory is just shot as I get older, but. Um... I actually had a high school student. Okay, so those of you who don't know, I've mentioned it before, but there is a NBA basketball player named Paul George. I have the same name. Now, I'm older, been around longer, but it's fine. He's famous and, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And he used to play for the Oklahoma City Thunder, um, but I also have a website called paulgeorge.la, Louisiana. This is Mm -hmm. where I live. born and raised. It's in my blood. Yeah, you were here first. He got traded to... The Los Angeles Clippers. The big I, so LA. So I think people get confused, maybe search his name and then end up on paulgeorge.la. But if you go to the website- It's pretty clear. It is 100% <laughs> clear. There is Crystal. no, I'm not like trying to confuse people, <laughs> right? Like there's no like, right. I'm not trying to steal someone's identity. Mm-hmm. Like I am 100% me, <laughs> <laughs> the middle-aged guy. It there, There's my picture. Yeah. I'm not, I don't, there's no basketball in hand. Crystal clear. Crystal clear. <laughs> So there should be no lawsuits here, okay? (laughs) And I will get emails randomly through my website. And I guess people Mm -hmm. don't look at the pictures or whatever and just tell me, like, someone just asked me this week Mm. if I'd be... They're coming into town from Japan and would like to see me play. So they're asking me to play that game instead of sitting out. No. Now, that's easy, okay? And then I get things on social media sometimes, like on Twitter or whatever. (laughs) And it could be hate mail, it could be all those things. Now, those things I just let go and just kind of laugh at and delete, okay? Mm-hmm. Here's the predicament I got in though, okay? Mm-hmm. I had a high school student from Kentucky write me a letter, actually write a letter to Paul George, came to my address, my P.O. box, okay? For real? That's on my website, okay? Wow. So so they mailed it to Lafayette, Louisiana, to Paul. and so the letter's written to the basketball player, Paul George, but it's a, it's addressed to my address and, you know, me, and it comes to me. So, like, I wow. open it, read this letter, and they're asking, their part of their school assignment is for, uh, to write a, a letter to a celebrity, and if that celebrity gets back to them, they win, like, a prize. Wow. Or the contest for their class, okay? Now, I'm not saying, I'm not making any judgment, but I'm assuming this is a, a minus class, not a plus class, <laughs> because if it, if this was a, an A-plus class, the, the kid probably would have done his research and looked on the website where he got the address. Right. You could see my picture. You can kind of, context clues would tell you clearly, this guy is a speaker consultant writer, and you see my picture.
0: Not an NBA star.
1: I mean, not even close. Right. There, There's no, nothing. Yeah, that,
0: you played baseball. You didn't cool. even play basketball.
1: No, but it, the, and then I don't have like pictures of me playing anything. Like, <laughs> <True>. so,
0: <laughs> they can't even make that mistake.
1: They can't make that mistake. So I get this letter, and I read it, and it's cute. Like it is like, mm-hmm. you know. But like, a
0: high schooler, not like a kindergartner.
1: No, like a okay. high schooler, mm-hmm. but probably more like a C- minus class maybe. And I'm... You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But anyway, I, I read the letter and and I'm like now I have a moral <laughs> I have a moral dilemma. Like, do I just throw the letter away? This poor kid mailed it, paid for postage, mm-hmm. addressed it, thinks it's gonna get somewhere, and like and I just have sort of a uh I think a a core value of like if someone like Reaches out to you personally, you need to tag them back. Like, mm-hmm. get back to them, right? Write them back, call them back, or whatever. So I kind of sat with it and was like, "Well, what do I do?" That was the moral dilemma. Well, what would you do? So, well, it's Lent, so I decided to get rid of all distractions and I threw it away. That's not true. <laughs> so I, ro- <laughs> I wrote a letter back. Nice, dear so and so, dressed it. I wrote him a letter, said, you know, thank you for writing the letter. You know, it came to me. My name is Paul George. <laughs> this is what I do. This is who I am. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I wanted to write you back and let you know I got your letter. I'm from Louisiana. There's some really great things about this place. <laughs> um you sold Louisiana to
0: the kid. It's awesome.
1: In part, uh, here's here's a gift for you for Courageously writing a letter, so I sent him a care package from Louisiana with like seasonings and
0: nice, and of course one of your books and yeah, a couple of my nice. books,
1: you know, just to prove that I'm I'm a, I'm a writer. And but then like a care package, seasonings, mm-hmm. you know, like you know, this bit, is hilarious. And put it in a box and mailed it to him. I don't and I don't know if it got there. You sent him. A hot I mean, box. I'm assuming it got there. It go is it addressed to the school, attention to him and the teacher of that class, which. The teacher probably didn't look at the website that he was mailing or she would have been like, hey, that's not him. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that, that was something part of my, you know, Lenten uh, almsgiving, you know, just to just to like give this kid a gift. <laughs> you know, my wife was like, how much did you spend? I was like, don't worry about it. Like, this is part of my generosity of almsgiving. giving."
0: <laughs> Oh my word! It yeah. is crazy how God connects people to you in all kind of ways. So
1: I mean, asylum seekers this week, and mm-hmm. a kid that's writing me because I'm a I'm a celebrity that he thinks he, uh, you know, that he's writing, and I'm not. Mm-hmm. And I am like, I do ask the question all the time, like, what would Jesus do in this moment? Like, what, would, how would He actually handle this situation?
0: Yeah, like if there was a, um, I don't know what sport they played at the time. Let's say a. Uh, fishing they did a lot of fishing so there's some fishing star who had the name jesus who was from nazareth maybe so and he got one of those letters
1: what would he do about it what would he do yeah what would jesus do in this moment (laughs) or what would you know what would jesus want me to do in this moment is a good question yeah so i just did what i thought was the best thing so when i went to the store the woman was like what are you doing (laughs) because i bought like this and uh I just said, look, this is you're probably never going to hear a story like this. And so I told her. I said, my name is Paul George. I got a letter because there's an NBA basketball player. I showed her a picture of the NBA basketball player, and she goes, that's not you. And I said, I know. And so she helped me do this gift basket because their store does. And she goes, so after we had done all this, she's like, this has really made my day. She's like, what you're doing for this kid is just like beyond what you need to do or should, and and it's just kind of really cool. She's like, that's kind of really made my my day and my week, you know? Wow. So I didn't do it for that. Nobody know. But I'm what I'm saying is this is just hysterical, and I'll never meet this kid. You know, I'll never Maybe. see. Maybe probably not. Never.
0: I mean, next time you're given a mission in Kentucky, but
1: I bet he was. Slightly disappointed that the real Paul George didn't write him back, but I bet he was a little kind of surprised and happy that he gets this cool little gift basket from Louisiana.
0: Oh, yeah. No, I think you're right about that. So. Yeah, I mean, look, I wouldn't be surprised if five years from now you're going to a Lytton mission in what part of Kentucky?
1: Uh, this was like in the middle of nowhere.
0: Oh, well, yeah. And then he hears Small town. Paul George is come to give a mission. The NBA star? He's like, no, wait, I know better. It's not the NBA star. I know this guy. And then he shows up.
1: Yeah. You never he, know, dude. Yeah. You never know. But, you know, often you ask the question, like, what would, what would Jesus do? Or what would Jesus want me to do in this moment? And mm-hmm. I think that if you just simply ask those questions in your life, look, there's a lot of times, maybe when I get angry with my children or if I'm impatient. I obviously know that I missed that opportunity to ask that question. What would Jesus want me to do in this moment? Maybe i overlook someone in need, a poor person, a homeless person. I probably get it more wrong than I do right, okay? Mm-hmm. But I think asking the question helps us to at least pause, right? And it's sometimes we forget to ask the question. How would, How would Jesus want me to act, or what would Jesus want me to do in this moment, or what would he do, whatever— it does cause us to pause and kind of think and discern in the moment what's the right thing to do, right? Yeah. And when we don't do that, maybe we do the right thing or maybe we skip the right thing to do, right? And and that happens often. And, you know, one of the readings that I think a lot of times that we get a little maybe confused about or not a little bit is this coming Sunday's gospel reading, we see a side of Jesus and a characteristic of Jesus that we're like, wow, that's different, mm. right? Than these healing moments, these compassionate moments, these forgiving moments where Jesus goes into the temple and and the the traders are making money and selling all these items in the temple, right? And Jesus just flips a lid, literally flips tables, <laughs> he and flips out, yeah. he makes a statement. Now, we none of us were there, so we don't know the words he used are what sort of this righteous anger looked like, but we know that he made a statement Mm -hmm. that was just looked different than a lot of times that we see him interact with people. Right. Yeah. And I think it's, it's interesting because it, it gives us a sort of a holistic view of, of Jesus as a, as a man and as God of this sort of, moment where he he, I know he asked God what do you want me to do in this moment
2: Mm.
1: and the righteous thing to do was to make this statement about God's house and God's temple and the sacredness of God and in doing that he didn't feel like he could be like hey everyone listen he he made this statement to where it caught people's attention and he overturned the tables in this scene
0: it reminds me of Cape Cod's situation because, you know, you have this temple that God instructed to be built um, where good things are happening in the temple. Like, good holy people are coming. They're bringing their turtle doves, bringing their oxen, hmm. bringing whatever they're going to bring for the sacrifice. Like, they're, they're doing the, the good day-to-day religious. It's just like the city of Cape Cod. Like, they're going to work. Mm-hmm. They're doing their thing. But there's this big problem in the city, in the temple, That makes everything stink. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, yes, these, these people are doing good things, but all of you that have turned my father's house into a marketplace, like, you make this place stink.
1: I mean, imagine walking into your church and inside the parish, inside the church, the sacredness of the church, people are just degrading it. Yeah. Right? By, like, yeah, like, just... Treating it as though it's a marketplace. Right. And acting and speaking and selling and just like it's no different. Like it's a supermarket. Mm-hmm. Right? Like we would never if we walked into a church and it was a supermarket, we would be all be like, What in the world? Like this is God's house, right? Right. Jesus makes this statement because he is making a statement about the beauty and the sacredness of God. And the temple is a is a sign of that. It's a you know, it's a yeah, it's a building, but it is a it is a, a, a sacred sign of, of God's presence and God's life in the world.
0: Yeah, like our Lord said, it's a house of prayer. Right. Yeah. It's a house of prayer, not a place of prayer, not a supermarket. It's not a market of prayer. It's a house where yeah. we live and pray as a people, and he cares about what happens in that house of prayer. Yeah. He cares about it, and so he does something about it.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about times in my life because it's like, this is one of those readings where we can justify anger that's actually not justified. Mm-hmm. And then we could not justify anger that should be justified. And we would say, anger, anger is an emotion. So, I mean, there's levels of anger. You know, I can look at you and be very calm and be like, I'm angry at you. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And not punch you in the face. That's the next level of anger. Right. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So anger is an emotion just like sadness. It'd be like, I'm really sad that, you know, it's rainy today and, you know, my truck broke down or I can be, you know, so sad that, you know, I cry and I can't get out of bed. You know, there's different levels of emotions. A lot of times we can take this out of context. And I was thinking about my own life is like, what are times where I actually had anger that was justified in how I acted, right? Like it was righteous and it was good because I made a statement that was defending someone or something Mm -hmm. that's righteous anger. If you've ever stood up for the needy or the poor or someone who couldn't defend themselves. Okay. Um, that's righteous anger. Now, if you do it to the point where you use violence and hurt someone, Jesus didn't hurt anyone. Then you take that anger to another level to where you're causing, you're causing pain with pain. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and then it's not it's not righteous anymore. You know, for example, like not long ago, and I don't have moments like this. Like usually, I'm you know whatever fairly calm. (laughs) We were out to eat, and my youngest six was just standing next to our table, and she actually put her hand on on the booth, the back of a booth next to us. She was just standing there, like Mm -hmm. in front of us, and it must have shaken shook the 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 booth yeah. the booth like the table or the back of the chair and this older woman turned around and just like looked at six-year-old and said something very mean mm-hmm. inappropriate like completely to a child in that moment was way unjustified and i heard looked at i was kind of stunned and i looked at the woman i was like you will not you will not talk to her that way." you have something to say to this child as an adult, you talk to me. And I, very calmly, stern, and like the countenance on my daughter's face changed completely because she, it's like she knew she was defended from someone she couldn't defend herself from. Mm -hmm. An older woman who was just, you know, violently speaking to her. Mm -hmm. You know, she felt, you know, completely. But when I defended her, it's like she felt safe. And that that was a one moment of righteous anger, but haven't had many of those.
0: <laughs> many of those.
1: <laughs> I'm a I'm, I'm a minus student. Remember, you got to remember, I'm a minus.
0: When you brought up imitating Christ, uh, what would Christ do? And I I do think that's the difference between plus or minus Christianity. Um, we could all be minus Christians if we just kind of do what we think is the prudent, nice, like yeah, this is reasonable thing. Mm-hmm. But there are definitely moments where we are supposed to make a statement. So, for example, Perpetua and Felicity, we brought them up. That was a moment mm-hmm. that they were supposed to make a statement. They could have just, like, minusly gone out and got killed, but they actually were very heroic in that. And it was the plus statement that converted their guards, converted people who saw them die. Um, it was the plus you did with the care package for this kid from Kentucky. You could have done a minus situation, right? Like, I'll just send a letter back saying, sorry, kid, wrong, wrong guy, but I hope it works out. But you actually did a plus situation, right? And so this, this uh, person who helped you do it, mm-hmm. it impacted her because you did the plus. And yeah, I mean, I think the, the moments where God's honor is attacked where the dignity of the human person mm-hmm. is attacked, yeah. that's where Christians need to be plus.
1: That's where Christians need to be and plus. And if we
0: become minus, okay, we might not go to hell for it, but other people might, because you know, they don't see the plus witness.
1: Yeah. I've, had, I've, met, I've had moments of very failure, but I think the moments where I knew I was the most like Christ in my life, if I look back, the small moments, mm. has been the moments where I have actively defended the weak.
2: Hmm.
1: and what christ does in this moment is he he defends the temple that can't defend itself maybe the probably the priest that couldn't defend the well, high priest all that ran those this.
0: poor folks who don't get to say what happens in the temple and are being extorted in those money changers exactly. he defended them
1: right <clears throat> yeah i mean years and years ago in 2005 when we did um hurricane relief after Hurricane Katrina, we were living down in Homa. It wasn't like cleaning branches and stuff. This was like evacuees out of the city who were living in you know, gym on gym floors in shelters because they had no homes that got destroyed and one of the men from the community who was volunteering made a statement <clears throat> said, "Hey, we need to we need to hurry these up so we can get these people out of our city." Mm. And I remember looking at this high powerful man and being like, if that's why you're doing this, then stop doing it because we're doing this so we can love these people who lost everything that they have. Mm -hmm. And in time, God will get them back on their feet. I never felt more alive in that moment. More like Christ. I can't imagine, you know, Christ would ever look at someone and be like, let's only do this so that we can get rid of these people. We can get them out of our peripheral or out of our community, you know? So anyway, there there are moments times. Well, in full circle with Lent Mm -hmm. is
0: that that's when your hour comes. You don't know when that hour is going to come, you know, like where it's like that moment where you need, in other words, salvation history or your family or like something is counting on you Mm -hmm. to do the plus thing. But you're only ready for that moment. If you've sought the plus thing in prayer in your penances in your self-denials in your asceticism you're accustomed to giving yourself to the will of god and not your own will so that when that hour comes where much is riding on us not chickening out and doing the minus thing but a lot is riding on us being full christians we are ready and we're docile to the holy spirit because it's the Holy Spirit who speaks in those moments. Our Lord told us, "I said, don't practice what you're going to say. They're going to take you in front of governors and magistrates, but you don't have to rehearse what you're going to say." It's mm-hmm. so like in your case, they're gonna, um, you're gonna be brought before the powerful people in this very situation. Like, you don't have to rehearse what you're going to say. I'll give you the words, but if you're not accustomed to listening to God in morning prayer, in Those moments where it doesn't seem like a lot is on the line, but you're listening. You're like, God, where are you? Speak to me. If you're not accustomed to hearing his voice, then you won't listen to his voice when your hour
1: comes where you have to speak through the Holy Spirit in those moments. That's right. All right. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Paying too much for health care and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of health care. Join the nation's leading health care sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable health care. Call now to see how much you can save at 844-387-8533. That's Solidarity Healthshare, 844 387 8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. We're just overturning tables here in the studio. Turning tables. Just threw Adam on the floor. <laughs>
0: He did. I don't know why he did that. I guess you just got fired up.
1: Uh, Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you, whether you're on the podcast or on the radio. um, You know, one of our listeners, good friend of mine, all the way from the big town of Rain, Louisiana, Eddie Johnson. Oh. So shout out to Eddie because Eddie and I are friends. I mean, I'm a better friend to Eddie than he is to me. (laughs) Um, You're a plus, he's a minus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But Eddie... This is a subliminal message. You and I had a moment where we, um, I'm not sure if we defended the week or not together. We're gonna have to revisit that in a conversation and laugh about it. Mm. Mm. It was a funny moment. Eddie and I coached football together. Ah, We had some fun moments. And some moments I'm sure we're not proud of. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, welcome back to the show. Great, great to be with you. so great. Um, Um, So anyway, okay, I'm going to give you a choice here. What? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to do a six-pack of questions or a weird Catholic stuff? Ooh. Question. That was quick.
0: Yeah, I mean, I went with what the music was (laughs) right. Oh, really?
1: (laughs) You didn't step back and be like, okay, what does Jesus want me to do right now? No,
0: I didn't. I did a minus thing.
1: You totally... (laughs) Just, you took the easy way I out. Did, I did. I mean, okay. So you chose a six pack of questions. Maybe you can save the weird Catholic stuff for next week then. Sure. Okay. Maybe yeah, not. Yeah,
0: because it'll still apply that time. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, question number one. Um, so you mentioned uh, a big slew of missionary activity in Virginia that you did recently. Okay.
1: Yeah, I guess you could call it that.
0: And you said you had to put on your old hat of talking to youth. I did. So my question number one is, what changes about your demeanor and your speech in front of a crowd of
1: Well, the talk's going to be shorter. Okay. Right? On purpose. I'm probably going to use more stories that I know that are have a little bit of, you know, entertainment or fun or laughter or joy with them. And even when I share maybe something serious, I'm probably going to use a story to kind of break that open. Mm -hmm. So I think with with like younger people, shorter, and then more like analogies and stories that kind of break it open. So although I do use stories in my regular talks as well, but, you know, if you're going to break open a scripture, adults can follow along with you for a time.
0: Question number two. So when you spoke to the older folks, did you use the phrase we're all going to be dead soon? Or did you talk about that fact?
1: You know, I did on the second night. Mm -hmm. I showed these images of of graves. Now, I had.
0: (laughs) You're kidding me. No, I'm not. That is awesome. But
1: I used it in a context of not so much dying, but living with a sense of, (laughs) of mission and purpose. I hate you so much. I
0: love it. Well, this is just great. It just shows me you're being authentic as you share with people kind of where you are.
1: I don't change who I am. Right. I am who I am. <laughs> but yes, I did. I did. Well, one is because I was on a retreat one time and I I was um, I was overcome by a headstone of a Jesuit priest who died as a you know defending the weak in another country mm-hmm. that was experiencing violence. And this headstone just really spoke to me. And it not only spoke about, obviously, death, but having meaning in life that's going to speak something of your mission. So that's what really kind of I tied it into. But I did show images of a graveyard, Mm -hmm. which is funny to you.
0: Well, I think it's great. I think it's great. All right, question number three. We talked about the Holy Family being exiled to Egypt as asylum seekers. And that couple you met, it was a couple or it was in Virginia, the asylum seekers?
1: The couple was in Virginia. They're from okay. Africa. So it's
0: a married couple. Yeah. And their kids were back behind. And, mm-hmm. and then you mentioned working after Katrina, uh, doing some great work. Um a similar situation, I guess. People are exiled from their normal life and they're seeking asylum, I guess, in the superdome wherever you were you were seeing them. Um, so my question to you, uh, tell me about that experience with Katrina specifically, where like these people who literally lost everything, um, and you're there as an agent of, like, hope and healing in a nearly impossible situation to bring that, right? I mean, these people are just devastated. Um, I mean, what was that like, experiencing that human tragedy?
1: What I find in those moments is that the the best thing to be is just human with another human. Like, not get into all the, the fray of, like, what's going on politically or, you know, in that time it was like, well, where's all the relief services? Where's, you know, this organization and that organization, it was just looking at a human being like, what are your needs? What, how can we help? How can we help you? And sometimes there was nothing that you could do in the moment, maybe for a week, two weeks. I mean, some people lived in these shelters because they lost their homes for six months. Right. So like Sometimes it was just sitting with people and hearing their story and letting them know that they had a friend and someone to talk to and someone to hug, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, fun fact, and I have no idea where this footage is, but I was on like Dateline NBC. Really? Yeah. They came down there like weeks after when you could travel in and interviewed me and some other people. No kidding. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it ever showed. I never tried to watch Look it or that. anything.
0: All right. Question number four. So we talked about. Um Cape Town stinks right now. Um, mm-hmm. So you've worked with a lot of folks on getting traction in their life with spiritual conversion and kind of moving to, you know. What are some common ways you've seen that people don't even realize that their spiritual life stinks? Like, in other words, there's just this little ship in their harbor making everything else stink, that if you just get rid of this ship, you know. What are some common ships you've seen in people's lives that, like, Actually, if you just focus on this, you'll make a lot of progress quickly.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good point. I think that is Lent. Yeah, I think we've talked about this. A lot of times Like we try to complicate or we try to do too much in Lent. And maybe it's just simply saying, like, what is one area of my life I need to clean up, mm-hmm. you know, during Lent? I mean, let me focus on one area. And that's what I'm doing in Lent. I can get scattered. And I think as I've kind of gone through the first couple of weeks of Lent, I've become more and more laser focused on what the target is, where I kind of started a little bit more maybe scattered or broad. And the Lord's just, if you ask the Lord, like, Lord, lead me to the place that you want me to clean up or you need to clean up, you know, mm-hmm. then, then, and let me just focus in prayer on that and, and doing those things or that thing. Right. Right instead of saying I got to fix the whole problem of the city of the smell of the city, let me just do the, the one thing that I need to clean up in my life.
0: Hmm. Okay. Question number five. <clears throat> um, so our Lord overturned the tables mm-hmm. in the temple, make this a house of prayer. And, uh, you shared some, some great stories about similar moments you had and how you felt like alive or like the Holy Spirit moving. um, so my question would be, <clears throat> um, what, what would you say to someone who, like, says that's just not me? Like, there's nothing in me that would, I'm non-confrontational, I'm afraid of, like, causing waves. I know something needs to be done, or I know, you know, whatever, but that's not just me. So I'm going to try to convince someone else to go do that. What would you say to someone who just when it comes to imitating Jesus like that, they're just like, that's not, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> just, I don't know. And I, I say that for myself, like help me follow Jesus better. Be more like him.
1: Hmm. Like if someone's just like,
0: I know there's tables, but I'm not touching them. That's for other
1: people to deal with. I think we we all say that that's not my problem or my issue or my battle to fight. And maybe sometimes that's true. Like it's someone else's, but maybe, God's using us to find someone to help in that area, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if I can help. I can't help these asylum seekers. I could be friends with them and hear their story, but maybe they need a lawyer. Like, I don't know. So maybe I should talk to someone. Maybe I should pray about how to kind of take take it off of my shoulders because there's nothing really I can do other than, like, love and, like, maybe there's something practical. So you know what I'm saying. Like, mm-hmm. um, even with, like, hurricane relief, you know, when we were dealing with that is, like, there were, I couldn't give people money, right? But we had people who could feed them and give them clothes, things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, so so Lord, what can I do or what can other people do that I can't do to help this situation? Instead of me just turning away from and saying, I'm just going to close my eyes and ears because I don't want to see it or hear it, mm-hmm. you know? What are you asking me to do? And at the very least, pray. Pray mm-hmm. for that situation or that person or whatever the case may be, you know, because it's what it is. I think Lent helps us to kind of get rid of all the fray of the peripherals so we can see clearly what God wants us to do. Ask the questions, Lord, what do you want me to do in this situation? What would you do? But what do you want me to do? And help me to respond. Help me to, to be your small little missionary here, wherever I am today to serve you and love you. Wow.
0: Okay. Question number six, we brought up, uh, Living plus Christianity, like asking the Lord what do you want me to do or like what would the Lord do in this situation um and how sometimes we get it right sometimes we don't so in your life when you've maybe gotten it right more what how how do you do that like how do you what are some ways we can kind of slow down our life enough to actually ask the question, Lord, mm-hmm. what do you want me to do and create kind of a habit of obedience to that when have you like what have you learned in trying to do that in your own life?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's just making it a constant conversation in your mind and heart. Like, okay, like, well, Lord, what do you want me to do in this situation? Just ask the question. Lord, how do you want me to respond? What would you do? What do you want me to do? And just it, it make it a simple prayer. And if if you don't, like, in a sense, like, get anything, like, direct, just do the the best right thing to do in that situation, right? Like, I don't think the Lord spoke to me to send that box to that kid, right? He, did, he didn't like, it wasn't like, send a box, you know? <laughs> but I just thought to myself, what What would be the the right thing? Like, how would, how would Jesus want me to treat this young man who did this? I could have just said, I'll pray for him. And that would have been good. You know, I didn't have to write him back or send a box. And I think a lot of times that's all I would do was just let me pray for that situation. But I think in this one, it was like, I... No, like what else? And so, like, I just did the the best thing that I could do, and I know that that it's a good thing. And then, you know, God's good, so like, it's He's just a part of that goodness, you know? Yeah. So just be good to people. Just, just be good. Just be good. K- It'll be a plus. All right. Yep. So anyway, listen to homilies plus. Deacon Adam Cog with the big beard. Thanks everyone for listening in, and we'll be back next week. God bless.